Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I'm really excited to share God's word with you today, but guys, we did it. We made it to 2021. And I'm just thinking about the year that we've had in 2020. And I, I can say that collectively that we've all can say that this year has been a challenging year, that last year was a challenging year, that it was the year that we did not expect. I mean, there were murder hornets at one point. I was, I was like, when did that plot point come into 2020? At one point, I was just like, not even surprised. Anything that would happen, I'm like, that is so 2020. Like, but if you made it, if you're in this room, if you're watching this, you made it through the year by the grace of God. You made it through. And we're stepping into 2021. We're stepping into a brand new year. And I'm channeling my inner black mother. And, and as you know, if you, if you grew up like me, you, you got a pep talk before you stepped into a store. They would always say, look, we going into the store, don't touch nothing, don't look at nothing, don't even think about nothing because you're not getting nothing. So I'm telling 2021 the same thing. I'm like, listen, I know you coming up in here 2020, trying to snatch things and grab things and take people's joy and take people's peace, but not in 2021. It's not happening. I was, I was reading Isaiah 61. I'm like, that's the kind of year that I want to have. The prophet Isaiah talks about the year of the Lord's favor. He says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and to release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Somebody say the year of the Lord's favor. And the vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn. I know there was a lot of mourning in 2020 and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Verse seven says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. I don't know about you, but I want a double portion in 2021. Instead of your disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That's the kind of year that I want to have. I want to double for my trouble kind of year. I know a lot of people faced trouble in 2020, but I believe God's going to give us double for our trouble. I know you had joy that was taken away from you, but I believe God's gonna restore it. I, I know you lost some things in, in 2020, but God's getting ready to give you double for your trouble, I believe that. Saw somebody write this on Twitter, said, even if next year is just like this year, I won't be. Even if 2021 doesn't change, I will. So it doesn't matter what it feels like. I was thinking about the holidays and I'm like, it doesn't feel like the holidays. It didn't feel like the new year. It just felt like December part two. It just felt like a continuation. But, but I had to get in my spirit. It doesn't matter what it feels like. I know that God's doing something new. Bible says, see, I am doing something new. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God's doing something new. So I titled this sermon, New Me, Who's This? 
because check this out. I believe that God's going to do something so new in your life that people are going to look at you. They're not even going to recognize who you are. They're like, is that the same person that I knew? Like, is is that the same person that couldn't be the same person because God's going to do something new that there's certain things that won't even recognize you anymore. There's certain things that won't even have access to you anymore because God is doing something brand new. I believe it. God's doing something new. And the new that God is doing, it's not just a feeling. It's actually going to happen. It's going to take some action. It's going to require something of us. If we go to our text, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 3, verse 13 to 17. It says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. The beginning of chapter 4 says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. See, you've probably heard this story before. Maybe you've heard this passage of scripture before. There's this thing called the lullaby effect where where you hear something so much that it just, it starts becoming common. You know, it's just something that you're used to and, and sometimes we miss what's distinctive in the word. And this moment where Jesus gets baptized is a defining moment. It's a defining moment in his life. There's a distinction when Jesus gets baptized. It's the beginning of his ministry. It's the start of his ministry. And I know about the lullaby effect all too well. I grew up in church, right? I heard the same scriptures. I heard the same sermons. I used to go to this thing called Sunday school. Anybody remember Sunday school? I was a Sunday school dropout. When I got old enough to go to church by myself, I was like, I'm just going to skip on the Sunday school thing. You know, don't don't follow in my lead. My mom was actually my Sunday school teacher. So it was it was a tough thing when I was like, "I'm, I'm not going this week. But like I heard all these different stories and I remember being in Sunday school and they turned our Sunday school class into a baptism class. See, old school church, they don't really ask you questions. They just tell you. You're just, hey, this is what you're going to do. And so our class all of a sudden turned into a baptism class. And I I remember hearing and learning about baptism. And they gave us the opportunity to get baptized after the class. And I made the decision to get baptized. And I remember that as being a defining moment in my life. Like, I remember that being a distinction. Like, I knew I had to be different. I was like, man, I got to stop cursing people out now. (laughs) I'm different. I'm new. I was like, I can't talk the same. I can't walk the same. You know, I was young, but I was like, I I can't do the same things that all of my friends are doing. I I couldn't experience the same things because I knew there was a distinction. Like, there's something that shifted in me. And the same thing with Jesus. It was a distinction. It was a defining moment in his life. It was the moment that he was saying, hey, whatever I did before this, I'm starting something new. 
that I'm going to be fully immersed. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to do what my father has asked me to do. It's, it's this immersion. It's being all in. What does it mean to be immersed? The way that we can look at immersion is kind of like culturally. Like, like we're culturally immersed in certain things. I was born in Brooklyn. And so before I got to Miami, I was fully immersed in Brooklyn culture. Like the way that I walked, the way that I talked, the music that I listened to, the, the things that I did, I was fully immersed in that culture. And then seven years ago, literally seven years ago to this week, I moved to Miami. And I realized Miami had a different culture. People move slower. <laughs> it was different. They, they talked different. They had different slang. And I really pushed back. I was like, no. No, I will keep my Brooklyn. It's like I wanted to do everything I could to keep who I was. And then I had this revelation. You're not in Brooklyn anymore. <laughs> You're in a different place. A lot of us are asking God to take us to new places, but we want to take our old selves with us. A lot of us are like, God, give me something new, but we drag the old with us. In Mark 2, verse 22, it says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins will burst, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, you put new wine into new wineskins. Jesus is talking. This is the book of Mark, and I'm really excited for us to jump into it. We've got six months to get into Mark. By the time this year's over, you're going to have the whole thing memorized. You're going to know everything there is to know about Mark. And this is going to be in our reading this week. Grab a book, get into this journal. But he's, he's trying to teach his disciples that you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. I can't pour something new into something old. You, you have to be different. I can't do the same things if God wants to do something new in me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And sometimes holding on to the old is the easy thing. Like, I'm a creature of habit, right? Do you know what I got myself for Christmas? I got myself the same pair of sneakers that I already own. <laughs> Why? Because I like what I like. I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. So this message is for me. Like, I get it. I, I try to hold on to the old sometimes, but what I've realized is that, that it, it's cool when it comes to a pair of sneakers, but not when it applies to my life. Like, it, it doesn't work out as a principle of my life. Like, I can't be the same person that I was in college. I'm <clears throat> years old right now, so I can't do the same things. I'm finally old enough to not be able to share my age. I've made it, y'all. But, like, I can't... I can't do the same things that I did in college. Like I remember being in college and I went to college in the heart of New York City. And at the time I was a broke college student, like my parents, they, they took care of the roof over my head. They made sure that I had my books and the food in the house, but everything else I had to take care of. And I remember being a, a college student and being in the heart of New York City and trying to figure out, all right, what am I gonna eat for lunch today? And I had like three options. You had Subway. We had the cafeteria food, it wasn't good, and then you had Chipotle. And what I learned about Chipotle is that uh, Chipotle is way more expensive in New York than it is anywhere else. And so like you would, you would get a bowl, some chips and guac, and a drink, and you're looking at $20 for a meal. I couldn't, that wasn't where I was at in life. Like I would, I would walk into a Chipotle and my wallet would be like, you got Chipotle money? Like you really need a $5 foot long or something. And so, 
I figured out a hack for Chipotle, and you could take notes. This is gonna bless you. And I was like, I, I, I know a way I can get Chipotle and not pay Chipotle prices. So, so here's what I did. I would order two tacos, just two, two, two tacos, and I'll tell them to fill it up. I like put some rice. I'm like, can you put some more rice? Just put a little bit more in there. Put some beans, chicken. It's the cheapest option. Sour cream, corn cheese, a tortilla because I need some carbs, and then the salad dressing. If you don't get the salad dressing, you're missing out. And I would take all the contents of those two tacos, I'd put it in a bowl, and I'd have a whole bowl for a fraction of the price. There were some days where I only could afford one taco, but that, that was my method. And, and, and I, would, I would do this all the way through college, and I was at Chipotle with a friend of mine the other day, and I ordered exactly the same way. I did the same order. She was like, why do you, why do you order Chipotle that way? I tell her the whole story, college, I was broke, da, 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 I tell her the whole thing. And she's like, are you, do you still live in New York? I was like, no, nah, I don't. She's like, are you still a broke college student? I was like, no. She's like, why do you still order Chipotle that way? And I was like, oh, you're right. And it had me thinking, it's like there's, there's sometimes we, we do things that we used to do in an old season out of necessity, and so we take our old habits, we take our old thinking, we take our old ways, and we're dragging it into a season, and God's like, you're not in that season anymore. Like, I get that was the only way that you knew how to cope with your problems, or there's the only way that you knew how to deal with your depression, it was the only way you knew how to make money, it was the only way that you could do certain things, but God's like, I've taken you out of that season, you don't have to live that way anymore, you're not in that season anymore, you can live new. When I look at the life of Jesus, we, we, we hear about Jesus being a carpenter, right, but after he gets baptized, you never hear about this again. You, you never hear that Jesus went to Galilee to build a table. You, you never hear that he went to Judea and built a bench because he was out of that season that he got baptized, he got fully immersed, and then he stepped into a new life and he began to do new things. He began to build new habits. The first thing that happens after Jesus gets baptized is that he is taken to the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he is praying and he's fasting. And, and throughout scripture, you hear about Jesus often going to quiet places to pray. And he developed this habit of prayer. He, he realized that he was stepping into something new and needed to be prepared for it. So if you're looking for some new habits for 2021, how about find a quiet time to pray and be with God? Find some time to be in the presence of God. Find some time to pray and fast. We're, we're taking 21 days to pray and fast as a church. Yep. This is your opportunity to build some new habits. This is your chance for you to quiet yourself and be away with God. If you're saying that, God, I want you to do something new and fresh, this is the pathway. Spending time with God, allowing God to speak to you. Because there's going to be a season where you're in the wilderness and you need to know how to recognize the voice of God. See, there's still things that God wants to speak and still things that God wants to say, but you have to quiet yourself to him. And you're probably thinking, okay, if I'm going to be new, what is it going to take? What's it going to require out of me to become new? And and I had this revelation that it is going to take some things, but you're going to gain so much more. 
it might take you giving up an addiction, but you're going to gain freedom. It might take you giving up old habits, but God is getting ready to build up new habits. God wants to do something new in you and through you. And it may be new to you, but it's not new to him. Like this new that God wants to do in us and through us. It's new to us, but it's not new to him. He says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, he wants to do something new in you and through you. You have got to get rid of the old. Has anybody ever like gotten a text message from somebody that they haven't spoken to for, for a while? They just hit you up like, hey, big head. Yeah. It's like somebody that you like used to date, somebody that you used to kick it with. They're just like, hey. It's like, no, 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 no you don't, you don't, you knew the old me. Yeah. You might have known the old version of me, but I am stepping into something new. God has something new for me. I can't associate with the same things if I'm going to step into the new. See, the beautiful thing about God is that he leads us and he directs us in the new. That we're not alone in this new thing. I, I love watching through scripture how God leads and he guides his people through the new. Because we've never been this way before. We've never been in this year before, but God has. It may be new to us, but it's not new to him. In Joshua, we, we see this example of God leading the way. This is his nature. This is his character. If God has called you to something, he's going to lead you through it. In Joshua 3, verse 1 and 5, it says, Early in the morning, Joshua and the Israelites set out before Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. See, they were getting ready to go into the promised land, and they were crossing over into something new. The verse continues, it says, after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Can I be a prophet for a second and say this? Consecrate yourself, for this year God will do amazing things among you. Set yourself apart this year because God wants to do amazing things among you. Quiet yourself before God. Renew your mind. Allow him to create in you a new spirit because he wants to do amazing things among you. Get ready for what God wants to do. He wants to do something new in you, but you have to consecrate yourself. All that means is to be distinct, to set yourself apart, to live a little different, to think a little bit different, to be different. Consecrate yourself because the Lord will do amazing things among you. Just to give you a little bit of context of what's happening in this story, the Israelites have been wandering in a desert for 40 years. 
They've been wandering, trying to make their way to the promised land, and now they're closer than they have ever been to the promise. See, what took the Israelites 40 years took Jesus 40 days. They're both in this wilderness experience, but we see a difference between these two stories. See, in the wilderness, the Israelites, they complained. They disobeyed God. They created idols. There were constantly issues in the wilderness, but then we see Jesus in his wilderness. He prayed. He fasted. And it was not like it was an easy wilderness experience. I mean, he was tempted by the devil during this experience, but he chose to worship. And we'll all face a wilderness at some point in our lives, but we have to ask ourselves, what will we do in our wilderness? Will we worship or will we wander? Will we worship God or will we wander? Will we complain, God, I haven't seen it yet. God, you haven't done it yet. God, God, where is what I asked you for? And Will you start complaining in your wilderness season or will you just lift up your hands and worship? And then God, even if I don't see the promise yet that I trust that you are with me and you're for me, will you worship or will you wander? See, because worship will accelerate the promise. See, when you worship, it will accelerate the promise that God has over your life, that that God wants to do something in you and through you, and it might happen quicker if you get this principle to just worship Him. And see, the one thing that was separating the Israelites from their promise was this Jordan River. There was this this river that, that was separating them from the promise. And and what happens is that the river, it it splits in two and they're able to walk across on dry land. See, the Jordan River represents a place of transition and new beginnings. See, it's the place where John baptized Jesus. And in that moment, instead of the waters parting, heaven opened up and God said, this is my son who I am well pleased. Jesus and the Israelites had the same body of water that made a difference in their promise. See, they walked through dry land through the Jordan River, but Jesus was immersed in this water. See, there's sometimes we can look at things as an obstacle. We can look at certain things and say, well, well, the Jordan River standing in my way. This, This thing is in my way. But I believe that God can use what looks like an obstacle to be an opportunity to take you to your promise. He can take you to your promise, but but you need to be in position. See, I know that God is going to move, so I have to be ready when he does. Joshua was telling the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, and the the Ark of the Covenant, it represented the presence of God. He said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, move. He says, go from your positions and move. And when he's telling them to go from their positions, that means that they had to already have been positioned. They had to already have been positioned for a move. They weren't scrambling around getting their items together. They were prepared to move. And like, if you've ever moved before, like the fun part about moving is finding a new place. It's all fun when you're just like, oh, I got the keys to my new apartment. But then when you actually have to move, that's when the real work starts. It's like you got to clean up. You got to pack things up. You got to put it in a truck. You got to take it out the truck. You got to reset it up. I'm telling you, the kind of friends that you want to have in your life is friends that will help you move and friends that will take you to the airport. Right. Those are friends for life. 
But like moving, moving is a process. And like, have you ever experienced like you move, you start finding things that you lost. You start realizing the things that you needed to get rid of. You're just like, I don't, I don't need this anymore. And, and I believe the same thing happens in a move of God, that you start to find things that you thought that you lost. Like you thought you lost a vision. You thought you lost a promise. And you begin to find things. But then also you start to realize there's things that you don't need. Like, this can't go with me into my new season. Like, I don't have space for this thing in my new place. Like, I need to make room for what God is going to do. I need to make space for what God's going to do. He says, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been here before but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. You, you have to make space. We have to allow space for God to move. We've never seen this year before. We've never been in this year before. I don't know what 2021 has in store, but I know who does. I know who knows what this year has in store, and I know... He's with us and he's for us. It's maybe new to me, but it's not new to him. See, even before the Israelites crossed the Jordan, he tells them in Deuteronomy 31 verse 3, the Lord himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you as the Lord said. God has already gone before you in this year. God's already in the situation. God has already gone before him, but we have to make room so we can follow. We have to give enough space for us to see what God is doing. Sometimes we want to be in control of the situation. We want to know everything that's happening. We're like, God, tell me when, tell me how, tell me who. We want the entire plan, but God's like, no, that's not what faith is. Faith looks like you following me and me just saying, God, wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go. Wherever you want me to follow, I will follow. That is my purpose that I want to follow. Follow the presence of God. It said, follow the Ark of the Covenant. When you see the presence of God, move. I don't know about you, but that's my word for this year. That I'm not going anywhere that the presence of God does not call me to go. I don't want to find myself in situations that the presence of God has not given me clearance for. And the only way that I can know where the presence of God is leading me is actually if I follow. That if I'm patient if I wait in his presence to hear from him. God's saying, I need you to follow me because if you're too close, you, you, you might miss it. You ever been looking for something that's like right in your face, but you can't see it, and it's not until you take a step back do you actually see it? God's like, take a step back, I'm in control. Can we live in 2021 believing that God's in control? Can we live in this year trusting God to lead us? Wherever you lead me, God, I will follow. I'm going to step back because I don't want to miss what God's doing. I don't want to miss his presence. Through, throughout the scripture in the wilderness, the presence of God was like a cloud and it would go in different places and it would move and the Israelites would have to pack up everything that they had. They would have to pack up the temple. They would have to pack up the tabernacle. They'd pack up all their things and they would follow the presence of God. Imagine if you stayed in a place that God left. 
Imagine if you stay in a place that the grace and the presence of God had already lifted from. That I don't want to be where God was, I want to be where God is. I want to be where the presence of God is. I don't want to miss when the cloud moves. I don't want to miss when it shifts. See, see, this year you have to take the responsibility. Like this is not the year to play the blame game. This is not the year to say, well, well, this is, this is their fault or they did this to me or they never gave me the opportunity or the door then opened. This year's going to be on you and it's going to be on God. There's going to be a responsibility that you have to take. There's something that God's requiring from you. I was reading the book of Numbers and, and I actually was listening to it because it's really hard to read the book of Numbers. I was trying to read it. I was like, I'm bad at math, so I know this book is not for me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm listening to the book of Numbers on this audio and and it's just, it's like really repetitive. It's like the tribes of this did this and they counted this many and this many. And I'm like, this is, it was just, it just felt so like mundane. It just felt like the same things over and over again, kind of like 2020, right? Like where things just felt like it was just all the same. I wake up, I go to work, I'm at home. I can't see my friends. Like it just all felt the same. But what I've realized is that God moves in the mundane. God moves in those moments where we feel like nothing's happening, where we feel like it's just the same old, same old. Like I've been to church online and it's just the same old, same old. Or I, I've been here and it's just the same old, same old. But God's like, no, if you stick in it, if you stay with it, you can see my glory. Numbers 1 verse 48 to 53, it says, Then the Lord had said to Moses, You must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant law over all of its furnishings and all belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and the furnishings. They're to take care of it and encamp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. And whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Verse 53 says, the Levites are to be responsible for the care of the, the tabernacle of the covenant law. And as I was reading, it's these the same Levites that Joshua was talking about in Joshua 3. And it's talking about the, the Levites setting up the tabernacle and tearing it down and setting up and tearing it down. And I remember pre-COVID, we had this thing called load in and load out. We would set up God's tabernacle and we would tear it down. We would, we would set it up and tear it down. And then, and then COVID hit and there was no tabernacle to set up and tear down. There was no physical building to set up and tear down. And I, we realized that the church wasn't a building and the church was us. And so there's still a tabernacle that needs to be set up. And the tabernacle is us. See, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, it, it hosted the presence of God, but something happened when Jesus stepped onto the scene. When he died, it said the veil that was in the tabernacle tore in two, and, and now the presence of God didn't just dwell in a building, but it dwelled in his people. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So my question is, is anybody setting up the temple of your heart? Are you setting up the presence of God? I get it, we don't have load in and load out. There may not be a building to set up, but are you setting up your building? 
Are you setting up your temple? Can the presence of God live in you? Is there any room for him? Have you been made new enough for him to pour out in you? Can the presence of God dwell in you? See, God has called you and I to be the ones to bring a new sound into the earth. He's called you and I for us to be the ones to bring something new, but we have to set up this temple. We have to set up this temple. It's not on anybody else, it's on me. It's not up to the worship team, it's on me. It's not up to pastor, it's up to me, it's on me. I need to take the responsibility to set up this temple. I've got to be made new so that the presence of God could live in me. And when we're talking about being made new, it's not this cliche new year, new me, but it's actually biblical that if you're in Christ, you are made new. It's the realization that I can't be the same and only expect God to do anything. We're like, God, do something new, but we don't want any work in it. We're like, God, do something new, but we haven't changed in years. We're like, God, do something new, but we still have the same attitude. We're like, God, do something new, but, but the thoughts of our minds have yet to be renewed. God's not the only one that needs to do something new. It's on me. I've got to take the responsibility. James Clear says it this way. He says, improvements are only temporary until they become part of who you are. The goal is not to read a book. The goal is to become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon. The goal is to become a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument. The goal is to become a musician. This year, focus on the identity you want to build. See, the goal is not just to go to church. It's to be the church. The goal is not just to sing a song, it's to be a worshiper. The goal is not to just to give 10%, it's to live a life of generosity. See, if we want things to be different this year, we're going to have to live differently. We're gonna have to have something different in our lives. We're, we're gonna have to have some kind of resolve that says, I wanna be made new. We're gonna have to have the resolve that says, I want to be made whole. I'm sorry, I just don't want things to look like what they looked like in 2020. I don't want the same encounter. Like I want God to do something new. I wanna experience God in a new way. I wanna hear God in a new way. God wants to fill up his church. Like imagine what this world would look like if there were men and women that were filled with the presence of God. Imagine what our world would look like if we had musicians and politicians and, and teachers and lawyers and doctors who were filled with the presence of God. What would our world look like? The prophet Joel says that in the last days that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. All flesh, everyone's included, but, but you've gotta be made new. There's got to be something new in you. You've got to be an available vessel. Woe to us if God was to look down on the earth and feel like there were no available vessels for him to pour out his oil onto. The story of the widow and Elisha, she had a little bit of oil. 
And Elisha tells her, he says, knock on the doors and, and ask for different jars. And, and so she went from house to house and she gathered different jars and she gathered these empty jars and that little bit of oil she was able to pour into the jars and the oil did not stop flowing until she had no more jars. I believe that God is looking for some empty jars. God is looking for some people that'll say, I'll be made new. God is looking for some people who say, I will be available for you. God, you can use me. That Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. I know that's my prayer for this year, that I wanna be empty and available for God. I want God to be able to fill me up because I know that the only thing that's going to change this world is going to be men and women who are filled with the power and the presence of God. Men and women who are filled with the power and the presence of God that start businesses and that write books and that lead our economy and that help people like that is what's going to change the world. I want new ideas, I want new vision, but I don't want it without the presence of God. I don't want it if God's hand is not on it. I don't want it if God has not blessed it. I, I don't want it if God's not in it. And I know God has to be in me in order for what he wants to do to take place. I believe that's God's desire for this year. For us just to be available for God to use. That I don't want to be new. I don't want to be the old thing anymore. I want to be new. That I want to say it's, it's a new me. It's a new me that when fear tries to call, I'm like, new me, who's this? I don't, I don't know who you are. If anxiety tries to call, it's a new me. I don't know who this is. Depression tries, it's a new me. I, I don't know who you are. You don't have access to me anymore. There's certain things in this year that you need to not give access to. There's certain things that should not be able to access you anymore this year because you're new. You might have known the old version of me, but I stand here new. I stand here renewed by God, knowing that he is going to do something that we have never seen before. And if that's your prayer, if your prayer is like mine, that God would make you new and fill you up, why don't you just lift your hand all over this room, in the Zoom, wherever you're watching from, Silver Spot, if, if that is your prayer, if your prayer is that God would fill you up, come on, just lift up your hands. And even in this moment, you can begin to ask God to fill you up. It's on you this year. It's on you this year. It's on you. It's on you. It's on you and it's on God. It's going to be you asking God to fill you up. It's going to be you asking God to speak to you. It's going to be you asking God to make a way in the wilderness, it's gonna be on you. It's gonna be on you. I'm not putting this pressure on somebody else. I know it's on me and it's on God, that God can hear your words. Father, our prayer is that you would fill us up. God, our prayer is that you would make us whole. God, our prayer is that we would follow after you. God, our prayer is that we would run after you because we know that you are everything that we need. God, that you are everything that we could ever desire. You are Jehovah Jireh, you're our provider, Father, and we know that you have already given us everything that we need to be successful in 2021. That, Father, you've already given us every tool. And so, God, our prayer is that in this year that we would get rid of all the things that's been holding us back and that we would step into the new that you have for us. That you would step into it. 
And Father, our response in these moments of worship, our response, God, is to lift up our voices and to worship you. That we might be stepping into a wilderness, but God, we choose not to wander, but we choose to worship. Father, we choose not to wander, but God, we choose to worship. Father, we choose, Lord God, to worship. Father, we choose to worship. God, we choose to worship. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.